0: My name is Peter Himmelman, Grammy and Emmy-nominated musician, author, and chief dream enabler of Big Muse. I'm proud to underwrite this episode of the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf. Discover why companies like Adobe, 3M, McDonald's, and Gap have brought in Big Muse's rock and roll-fueled seminars to get inspired, to get insight, and to get activated. Write to me today at peter at bigmuse.com entrepreneurs, business owners, professionals who seek excellence, bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builders Show. Here's Marty Wolf. We still got a long way to go. Yes, we all got a long way to go.
1: Welcome to the Business Builders Show, the show for entrepreneurs, business owners, and business leaders. I'm Marty Wolf, your host for the Business Builder Show, and alongside of me in the studio is my executive producer, Mr. D.C. Taylor. Hi, D.C. Hi, Marty. Thrilled to have you with me again. Yeah, good to be here and, uh, and get some education. Well, not only that, but you've already gotten a compliment from our guest. <laughs> I know. Wow. So that... it's always nice to start out that way by being complimented. I, I answered the phone and got the uh, got the got uh, the compliments on my voice, so thank you for that. <laughs> But now, D.C., wait a minute. No, no, we, we won't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> more important things. <laughs> okay. So, D.C. Taylor, my executive producer, is with me in the studio today. The Business Builder Show is distributed by C-Suite Radio, which is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of business executives. You can learn more about us at com. You can listen to our Business Builder Show and a bunch of other great shows at C-Suite Radio. And that is, just as it sounds, www.csuiteradio.com. My special guest with me today is Karen Tiber-Leland. Hi, Karen.
2: Hi, thanks for having me on the show.
1: I'm thrilled you're here. You were referred to me by our mutual friend, Lolly Daskell.
2: Yeah, she's a, she's a wonderful person and a fantastic author and a great
1: leadership coach. She certainly is. Um, so you wrote a great book. The title of the book is The Brand Mapping Strategy, and that's what we're going to talk about today. But let's uh, set it up by uh, telling folks who you are. Karen Tiber Leland is the president of the Sterling Marketing Group a branding and marketing strategy and implementation firm. She helps CEOs, executives, and entrepreneurs build stronger personal, team, and business brands and become thought leaders in their fields. Her clients include LinkedIn, Twitter, American Express, and many others. She has been interviewed by Fast Company, The Atlantic, MSNBC, and Fortune. And Karen, congratulations. You finally hit the big time. You're on the Business Builder Show. (laughs)
2: i'm so proud
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's a standard joke here dc always loves it when i say that you know (laughs) all right so the book is the brand mapping strategy on the back cover you say if you don't define your brand someone else will do it for you and i guess that's why you wrote the book the brand mapping strategy give us an overview karen what's the book about
2: Well, it is, because over the last 20 years in working with CEOs and C-suite executives and entrepreneurs, what I found is that often their brands, their personal brands and their business brands, by the way, are by design and are by default, actually, instead of by design. And really, if you want to gain greater influence with your company or in an industry or you want to become a thought leader in your field, it doesn't matter if you're an entrepreneur or a business owner or a CEO, you really need to understand the specific, actionable process for designing, building, and accelerating a brand. And so that's why I wrote the book.
1: So there is a process. and No, absolutely. And you know what? Your book and your work is is difficult to interview. Let me tell you why. Because the content of the book and the content of your work, there are so many things that we should be talking about, but we can't talk about them all. So Can we start here? For instance, chapter three, you talk about the brand mapping process. Using that word again, so so kind of. Let's tell me what that is, and let's maybe get into um, some of the specific items in the brand mapping process.
2: Well, you know, one of the things that I discovered as I was working with people over the years was that so many people tended to talk about their brands again, whether it was their personal brand or whether it was their business brand almost from a from a tip of the iceberg or a you know an elevator speech point of view and mm-hmm. as i was getting deeper and deeper into this what i found is there really were seven core elements of a powerful business personal or even a team brand and so i started to Organize those seven elements, and I started to develop a process—the brand mapping strategy—to mm-hmm. help people articulate what those seven elements of the brand were. Because I found that when they were articulated, you could then translate that to marketing collateral. You could translate that to the kind of advertising you did. You could even translate that to finding the most appropriate strategy for building the brand.
0: Hmm.
1: Interesting. Well, let, let's let's help our our audience. Let's give them some. Uh, Some specifics. For instance, the first one you talk about is an anchor statement. What what do you mean by that?
2: Right. Well, the anchor statement is really the go to description of who you are and what you do. Sometimes it's referred to as the elevator pitch because we all do need a way in, you know, 30 seconds to a minute to say what we do, because we've all we've all met people at a party and said, what do you do? And they stammer through the answer of that. And you realize they're not really clear on what they do. And so it's having that brand really boiled down to its essence as part of the anchor statement is obviously one of the elements that you have to have.
1: Why is that so hard? Karen, I, I know you're right. I, I experience. I still make the mistake of, of saying, "Well, I'm a business consultant." Okay, so what? Who cares? There's nine million of you. Um, why is creating that anchor statement? It's challenging, isn't it?
2: It is challenging for people, and I think one of the reasons it's challenging is because people try to uh, uh, want to identify it by the by what they do. In other words, I'm a management consultant. I'm a business consultant. I'm an oncologist. I'm a dentist. I'm a lawyer. Whatever. And that's important that people can put it in a pattern that they can understand. But what people often leave out of that anchor statement is the deeper part of a really quick, down-to-earth, deeper part of either why they do it or what they specialize in or something that's a little bit more engaging. And if you think about it, right, your business card, a standard business card that you hand out, you tend to statistically speak what you do 20 times more than you hand out a business card. Mm -hmm. But people spend days designing their business card. Wow. They spend a few minutes designing what they're going to say about who they are.
1: Wow. That's worth the price of admission right there. Solid. That's great. So I guess that leads to point number two is a unique branding proposition. You got to give this some thought and spend time thinking about this. What makes you unique, right? So talk to me about that.
2: Well, it's – what is it about what you do or how you do it that makes you unique, distinct, and special? It's like what sets you apart? And that that's obviously different things for different people. You know, for and, – and again, everyone has to look for themselves. But in for me, for, in other words, part of what I think makes me distinct – and i always talk to people about this when they ask about what i do is that i have this weird freaky background that just happens to be useful in the <laughs> world we live in but you know yeah. i've been a management consultant i've been a, i've run a pr firm i've been a i've written nine traditional books i've been a a freelance writer for magazines and newspapers. I've been a reporter. I've even been an actor. So, all of those things combined give me a really interesting point of view about media and PR and brand today mm. that just happen to be useful in the world we live in. So, that's my unique branding proposition. Now, it's not better than anyone else's, but it is mine and it is distinct. And I think being able to really clearly articulate, and that's what I always try to help my clients do, is really clearly articulate. What is specialized in their background or their training or what's proprietary about what they've created or what's a talent they have, et cetera?
1: Yeah. Well, you've gotten their attention already. So how would people learn more about you? Let's give that plug right here, right now. Where where do you want people to go to learn more about you?
2: They can go to my website, which is sterlingmarketinggroup.com. Can they buy the book there, too? They can buy the book there, uh, but it connects them through Amazon. So the book either gets bought through Amazon or Barnes & Noble, but they can certainly click to buy the book through Sterling Marketing Group. And they can also just go to KarenLeland.com. Both of those will
1: work. Excellent. Okay, so now we're moving on to a couple other. We'll, we'll try to hit all seven of them in terms of a brand ma- mapping a process. Talk about brand tone and temperament. And it's the manner, I guess, of how you bring to every interaction. So talk to me about Your brand, tone, and temperament. Go deeper on that for me.
2: I think this is a very important one because it's really the consistent mood or tenor or quality or character or manner that you bring to all your interactions. And it's very important for people to figure out that brand, tone, and temperament, you know, that fundamental sort of character, outlook, spirit of the brand, because that then has to translate, for example, into things like the logo you use, the fonts, the logo mark, the web design and layout, the business name even, the images you use. And so many times I find that people's, their their brand identity, you know, their logos, their fonts, their websites don't actually reflect their brand tone and temperament. So they seem incongruous with the person. Like I'll give you an example. I had a client who was big guy, tall, husky, just a very not fat, but a very large, you know, just big man and a big presence, loud voice, in your face, really strong guy. He was an executive coach to CEOs. And his first website that someone had done for him was all pastels (laughs) and like pictures of trees blowing in the wind. And I'm like, what? (laughs) And he'd go this and he'd say to me, this website just doesn't feel right to me. Uh, No kidding, because it was incongruent with his brand tone and temperament. And you'd be surprised how many CEOs, C-suite executives, businesses call me. I look at their collateral materials and they're completely off brand with the tone and temperament of either the person or the business.
1: Amazing. Now, let's connect that to I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but I know you can address it. This whole idea of brand tone and temperament, let's carry that through into social media, into, you know, people Google your name. Uh, Is is that consistent, should that stay consistent? Address that for me.
2: Absolutely, it's so important to have one consistent message between all your social media and your website. And again, if you look, so many people, it's like one message and feeling on one, one message and feeling on another, another message and feeling on a third one, and it's confusing to the public when they see it it really weakens the strength you know it's funny because I was being I was being interviewed by a reporter the other day for from a major magazine and I just asked her you know about how she finds sources and she happened to mention to me that one of the things that happens to her is she has trouble finding really great sources not because the sources aren't good but because she'll get referred to someone she'll find out about a source she'll check them out online and she'll say their online profile either their website and or their social media are so poorly executed that she can't use them as a source because uh. if she uses them and a reader goes to check them out, it makes her look less legitimate because the person looks bad online. Isn't that fascinating?
1: Wow. Yeah, really. Isn't that, in- well, the word consistency kind of popped into my head. I, I You know, it's, it's a, 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 my way of saying it. But again, it's like, I asked a the question. They they need a book like this, The Brand Mapping Strategy, because people get busy in their businesses and whatever they're doing, and sometimes they need uh, reminders of, of, you know, I don't want to call it fundamentals, but in a way it is, but it is critically important. And, and, and so that leads me to another thought. I, I guess maybe I picked it up because I'm looking at the words brand energy, maybe. Maybe I'm increasing my energy now that I saw that. But talk to me about that. Does that mean like you need to be counted on to contribute or to be participatory? What what do you mean by brand energy in terms of your brand mapping process?
2: Well, that's the fourth element. The The brand energy is the fourth element that I identified in the in the brand mapping strategy. And the thing about the brand energy, it's, it's what you can be counted on to contribute in all circumstances and at all times. So one of the first questions I ask every new client is what's the weather that you bring with you? In mm. other words, what are those one or two things that you or your team or your business, if it's a strategy for the business, can be counted on to contribute? So, you know, if the brand tone and temperament is the mood of your brand, then the brand energy is the, what the French call the Elan, Hmm. you know, the flair, the aptitude, the talents that you bring under any circumstances. And I actually identified in the work that I did 12 archetypes Hmm. that most personal and business brands fall into.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Um, Number five says the signature story. Is that different from unique branding proposition? I mean, number two was unique branding proposition. Signature story. Is that something different Explain.
2: Yeah, that's that's totally different. The signature story is usually the core thing that happens to you. So one or two stories are things that have happened to you in your life that are actually what set you on the path to do what you do. I got You know, it. it's why do you do what you do? It's the essential story uh, that brought you to this this place. I got um, it. I got you it. know, and I always I always talk about that. There are people that I've worked with who will tell me a story and I go, how come you don't like share that? And they go, oh, because that's what I did before. And I say, yeah, but that is the essence of why you do what you do. Ah, and that's the most important thing to share.
1: Yeah, that's that's solid. So that'll explain why I've been doing a radio show for six years. Somebody just said, uh, you've got a good voice for radio uh okay i don't know if that real but that's my signature story and, okay
2: and you do have a good voice for you it's not as good as dj's but you do have a good voice for oh
1: radio now karen you're hurting my feelings you should you should i you couldn't know, resist I'm you should sorry. say nice things about the host dc he's blushing <laughs> karen he's DC, actually DC's blushing that's all right i couldn't
2: help it i had to tease you you have a beautiful radio <laughs> all
1: right we're having some fun here I'm Marty Wolf. Stay here for more with Karen Tiber-Leland.
0: My name is Peter Himmelman, Grammy and Emmy-nominated musician, author, and chief dream enabler of Big Muse. I'm proud to underwrite this episode of the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf. Discover why companies like Adobe, 3M, McDonald's, and Gap have brought in Big Muse's rock and roll-fueled seminars to get inspired, to get insight, and to get activated. Write to me today at peter at bigmuse.com.
1: Signature services, I guess. Maybe that kind of says it all, but uh, point number six, signature services. Talk to me about that. Well, it's
2: really, what are the core competencies and offers that you bring? So everyone, even if they're a a C-suite executive, you know, because I've often talked to C-suite executives and they go, well, I don't have a signature service. I'm just, you know, I'm vice president of X. And I say, no, you do. It's the things that you really are known for that you really bring. It's your specific know-how, your competencies, your offers. It's the things things that you bring to your audience. And by the way, they can include, and but no, are not limited to, intellectual capital, proprietary processes, unique models that you create, etc.
1: Yeah. Number seven, brand enhancers and reducers. Talk to me about that.
2: Well, like everything, it's really important to know what your strengths and weaknesses are. And we're always doing things that are enhancing our brand. You know, there's there's things that we do that enhance our brand, that make it stronger. There's things that we do that reduce our brand that we need to work on that are making it weaker. And it's really almost like doing a, a SWOT analysis yeah. for your brand. You know, yeah. whenever I work with a, a person or a company, I always start with a brand SWOT analysis so that I can really understand where they are.
1: Yeah, and I did that as a result of reading your book. So uh, I made some changes as a result of that, reading uh, Karen Tyber Leland's book, The Brand Mapping Strategy. Tell us again where uh, people can learn more about you, Karen.
2: They can learn more about me at sterlingmarketinggroup.com. So that's www.sterling, S-T-E-R-L-I-N-G, marketinggroup.com
1: Okay, I already said that there's too much content to cover in a short Uh, interview or conversation. So I'm going to jump into chapter eight, and chapter eight says, your C-suite and CEO brand. And I want to read a quote from page 123. Let's see here. According to a famous study, uh, it's a CEO reputation study, 48% of a company's reputation can be attributed to the standing of its CEO, like it or not. Today's CEO has been precast in the role of the company's chief brand ambassador. I suppose in the light of some recent news that this is probably hitting strong. So let's talk about the C-suite and CEO brand. And you talk about it. You call it, I think, a parallel brand. So explain that to me.
2: Yeah, well a parallel brand is really the perfect blend of the CEO's personal brand and then the company brand. And while they're distinct, they really need to work in concert. So if if you have created a parallel CEO brand, it complements rather than conflicts the business co- conflicts with the conflicts with, sorry, the business brand, Right, it obviously has to be authentic and sustainable over time. It needs to be a positive, affirming or aspirational brand. A negative CEO brand doesn't really work for these purposes. Mm. And it needs to be both obvious to the internal company, but also externally to the public. And it ought to simultaneously enhance both your reputation as the CEO and the business's reputation. I often get called by CEOs who go, you know, I want to do a CEO brand, but I don't want it to conflict with my company. Or I have CEOs who sometimes say to me, no, 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 I don't want a CEO brand. That'll conflict with my company. And I'm trying to educate people that today the best, strongest brand, the best thing you can do for your business is to have a parallel brand between the CEO brand and the business brand. Because as you just read from my book – the reality is that today's CEO is the chief brand ambassador.
1: Yes. Why do people still struggle with this? I I guess, but they do. God, I don't know. (laughs) They do. And thank God they do, Karen, you know, because they need us. Um, But they do. So I think that there's still, um, I don't know. I guess we'll get into, we'll get into some details, but um, so again, from your book, I'm going to read something right from your book. The best Parallel executive and CEO brands produce a wide range of results. Again, you quote a 2015 study, and there's three points. I'm going to read the last one. Global executives attribute 44% of their company's market value to the reputation of their CEO. i want to drive that home. I'm going to reread that, Karen, okay? Mm-hmm. Global executives attribute 44% of their company's market value to to the reputation of their CEO. So a CEO brand is pretty darn important.
2: Well, let's just take a recent example, which is this United Airlines debacle where they drag that passenger off a of flight. Yeah. I think the CEO's response could have totally made that thing, uh, transformed that experience and, and had them be on a different path. And I think the, his response and his reputation completely made things 100% worse. Yeah,
1: yeah. Wow. So
2: there's a, there's a current example.
1: Let's talk. Okay. So let's pretend that didn't happen. Um, So let's just talk about, or I don't know if we can't ignore that. Can we, Um, you describe something called reputation management, practice C-suite and CEO reputation management. How how do you manage something that if you don't know something's going to happen? What's reputation management? Explain that to me.
2: Well, reputation and and yes, you're correct that we don't know what's going to happen, but you have to start with a baseline of how you're represented online. I got it. So first of all, in terms of just – let's just take the basics, a LinkedIn profile. I would say six out of seven of the C-suite executives or CEOs who call me have insufficient LinkedIn profiles. They're not complete – They're not up to date. They don't represent them well. And almost something like 77% of the people who reach out to you are going to look at you on LinkedIn first. So that's just as a starting point. Most people aren't managing their reputation just based on the basics of their LinkedIn profile. That's to start. Mm. But, you know, then if you if you Google yourself, you know, you've got to see what comes up. Do you have old photos out there that you could send new photos to those people and ask them to replace? What's coming up? Do you set a Google alert on yourself so that every time you're mentioned, you get it and you can see what's being said? You know, there's little things people can do to start to create a foundation for that reputation management.
1: Who in the organization is responsible for this? Now, as a CEO listening to this interview, I hope that there are he or she is saying, wow, I've got to do a better job of this. Is this something the CEO should be leading the way? Is the the PR part of the company? Is the human resource part of the company? Who should be really really leading the way on this kind of thought process?
2: Well, that's a great question. And I think it has to come from the CEO because inherently it is personal. I don't think it's something that you can just – push off to your HR, your PR department. And by Uh, the way, those departments are usually not sufficient to do this because it takes a certain expertise that they often don't have. That doesn't mean the CEO or the C-suite executive does all the work. I rarely work with people where they do the work. Usually I'm doing the work or I'm doing the work in combination with their staff. Now they're guiding where they want it to go and they're guiding, you know, they're doing the parts they have to do. But in general, for most CEOs and C-suite executives, it's first understanding that this is important to do. it's then next understanding and committing to doing it. Then it's creating a strategy for doing it. And I will say this is the biggest mistake people make is they don't create an overall strategy to start. So they end up throwing time and money and resources at it. Hmm. And they end up wasting between six months and a year in between $30, and between $30,000 and 300000 doing things that don't make a difference. Wow. So. It is coming up with a strategy first and then determining how that strategy will be executed and what combination of your HR, your PR, uh, someone like me who's external and a consultant, you know, someone you hire, what combination of ways will you get it implemented? And by the way, there's all different kinds of ways to implement this. There isn't just one way. As much as I wish there was only one way, which yeah. was hiring me, that would not be accurate.
1: No, but it's a heck of a good start. So uh, I want people to pay attention to you. Tell me your website again.
2: It's www.sterlingmarketinggroup.com. They can also just look at Karen Leland and they'll find me.
1: And I strongly suggest that you buy the book. It's called The Brand Mapping Strategy. Karen Tiber Leland is the author of the book. I've already said I can't possibly do this justice. I have made adjustments just by... Uh, learning more about karen's work reading this book and i want to well let's drive something home because we need to wrap up uh what would be the thing that we didn't talk about that you think is critically important to share with our audience which is business owners business leaders ceos so what did i miss what do we want to drive home karen
0: I think the
2: only thing you didn't, you were fantastic. You didn't really miss anything and you did a great job given that we had such a short period of time. But I think the thing that's really important to understand is that building a CEO and a C-suite brand really requires four things. It's your, it's it's a combination of, your personal executive presence. You know, are you creating your brand by design or default, which we talked about? Mm -hmm. It's a combination of that plus reputation management. You know, how are you represented online? But then there are two other factors. There's content marketing. You know, what's the best strategy you're going to use to get your message across? Is it blogging? Is it writing? Is it eBooks? Is it podcasting? Mm -hmm. And then the last part is, what's your thought leadership going to be? You know, what's the flavor of your thought leadership? And how are you going to get out there in terms of, PR and media, in terms of awards, in terms of speaking, in terms of publishing, in terms of causes and boards and philanthropy outside the business. It's when you have the combination of all four of those, the executive presence, the reputation management, the content marketing and the thought leadership, that you really end up building an extremely strong CEO brand or a C-suite brand.
1: Solid advice. Karen Tiber-Leland is the president of Sterling Marketing Group. She has been my guest on the Business Builder Show. Karen, thank you so much.
2: Oh, it was really my sincere pleasure. Thank you for having me on and for doing such a great interview.
1: It was a lot of fun. So on behalf of myself, I'm your host, Marty Wolf, and Mr. D.C. Taylor, the real beautiful voice behind the Business Builder Show. We thank you for listening to this show and have a great week.
0: Bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builder Show with Marty Wolf.
1: Marty Wolf here. Do you have products you want to sell online? If you aren't selling on Amazon, eBay, Walmart, and your own website, you're not just losing out on revenue, you're falling behind. Channel Ape's young, hungry, driven team can manage your entire operation. Product catalog, inventory, Orders and multi channel expansion. Visit Channel Ape, that's APE, channelape.com today for a free demo.